0: You are listening to the Dr. Michelle Corral Show. It is our prayer that as you listen to these podcasts, that you will receive your deliverance, breakthrough, anointing, and highest destiny. Our prayer is that your love for Jesus Christ be first in your life above all things. Now, here's Dr. Corral.
1: First of all, I want us to understand the whole context of The genealogy in the gospel according to Matthew, because in the gospel according to Matthew, we have a very unusual genealogy. This is a genealogy that is very rare. By that, I mean to say that there are women in the genealogy. Most genealogies that are given to us in the Bible are genealogies only of men, but a very unusual norm. Uh, uh, not norm, but a very unusual pattern is beginning to appear here in the gospel according to Matthew, something that's never been done and is very unusual out of the pattern. Women are also mentioned in this genealogy. And the women that are mentioned are very precarious women. There are women that one would say should not really be admitted into a genealogy, at least if you're going to admit someone who's a woman into a genealogy in biblical times. You are not going to admit someone into that genealogy that has a spectacle, uh, a, a background that is very... Um, unusual and certainly one that we would have to look at and investigate and ask why is this person in the genealogy there are persons um, of character that we need to check and say why is this person in the genealogy when there are doubts around their character there are doubts around the person that they are for example we have Rahab who was the harlot in the book of Joshua and we have Ruth from the land of Moab who should not have been admitted into the genealogy because all the Moabites had no portion in the kingdom of Israel. The Bible says no Moabite can enter at any time the congregation of Israel. All right. And that's in Deuteronomy chapter 23. So we're looking at this genealogy and we are also seeing there is Tamar. Tamar is the first person that is mentioned in the genealogy. And she is a person, if you know the background, that um, In order to possess the promise that God had given her, she had to do some very unconventional things to cause that to come to pass. So we see this and we see that these are all types and shadows of the redemption that Jesus wants to bring. And he wants to show us how that scripture is going to teach us here how destiny is born from circumstances that are very difficult circumstances as a matter of fact i want you to turn if you will with me to second john chapter one verse one and i want us to understand this concept the concept is found in second john chapter one verse one the bible says to the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth. Look at that word, to the elect lady. Um, the Bible says, to the elect lady and to her children, whom I love in the truth. This is a um, a letter in 2 John that John wrote to someone who was called the elect lady. And that she had spiritual children also that were considered part of her Congregation. So the question is when you look at this text, you wonder who is this select lady? It's definitely he's not writing to someone who's just a mother with children in a house. The elect lady, if he's calling her elect lady, it literally means that this is a woman that was elected by God and who has spiritual children that she is responsible for, very likely to be someone in the early church who was entrusted with ministry as a woman of God. And if we look at it in a historic sense of scripture and we realize what happened at the foot of the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he entrusted his mother to John. And if you follow the first century and you follow the history of where John was, John settled in Ephesus. Ephesus was his home after he preached outside of the Holy Land. And he was always with the mother of Jesus in a historic sense. So it could very well be that this letter of 2 John might have been written to the mother of Jesus, who he is calling an elect lady and her children. We don't know if she had a group of children that she ministered to, children by that I mean disciples. We don't have any idea whether it's her or whoever it is, the Bible is showing us something about an election of God that is on the women of God. And we need to see this because this is where we're going with the Christmas story. All right, so here we see a denominator of destiny for every elect lady that has been selected throughout Scripture. And that denominator of destiny is that every elect lady from Genesis to Revelation is an individual that God uses their grief toward greatness in the kingdom. I hope somebody understands what I'm talking about so that when we begin to understand this genealogy that is set for us in the gospel according to Matthew we are going to see individuals that went through so much grief but the Bible is teaching us that it is through their greatness that they were able to understand that they were able to come into their election of God As a matter of fact, I'll give you some of these examples. The Bible teaches us in Genesis chapter 29, verses 31 through 35, the Bible highlights Leah as an elect lady. Leah is the mother of the six of the tribes of Israel, and the Bible shows us that it is through her rejection that God called her to a great election in the kingdom, because God is a God who can use grief toward greatness in the kingdom of God we can look at another elect lady and that is the mother of moses in exodus chapter 2 verses 2 through 10 the mother of moses is the elect lady that drew her son out of dark waters and god wants you to know that you if you are walking through dark waters god's gonna draw destiny out of that dark time in your life can i get a witness somewhere We also see another elect lady in the scripture. We see two in Ruth and Naomi. Ruth is one that is actually in the genealogy of Jesus. Ruth and Naomi show us that these elect ladies are chosen because their heartache was used for heaven's purpose. Somebody ought to say grief into greatness. Come on, say it with me. Grief into greatness. We can see also the elect lady chosen in first. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 28. And that is Hannah, the mother of Samuel the prophet. Hannah was the elect lady who shows us that persistence overcame all resistance to the impossible in her life. She pressed her way to Shiloh. She pressed her way believing God until she got into Shiloh. Hallelujah. And believed God for that miracle. God used the anguish from her adversary to push her into a place of promise. Somebody ought to say God is going to use the anguish from my adversary to push me into the place of promise that God has ordained for my life. Can I get a witness somewhere? We also see in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 14, the widow at Zarephath was the elect lady who met destiny at death's door. You may get down to a place that you don't have anything in your hand. All she had was just a little bit of meal, not even a cake in her hand, but she was the elect lady that God chose to keep the prophet Elijah going. I can't get any help in here. God will show you. You might be at a place right at death's door where you feel like you've lost everything and that you're down to the last thing in your life. But God wants you to know that God is a God who can bring grief, greatness out of the grief. God is a God who can cause you to be just like the widow at Zarephath who was able to meet destiny at death's door. Can I get a witness somewhere? The word "elect" is the word "eklectos." Say that with me. Eklectos. Eklectos is the prefix in Greek. The word, the prefix for the word eklectos, is ek which means to be called out. You see, God's calling you out of something. God wants to call you out of what you've been through. God's going to bring destiny out of the darkness. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10 says, Behold, I have chosen thee, in a furnace of affliction in 1st Chronicles chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 the mother of Jabez is the elect lady that leaves the legacy of how to give birth to the blessings in our life you see every one of these elect ladies show us something about giving birth to the impossible about giving birth to something that you never dreamt of before in your life that God wants to do the mother of Jabez prophetically prefigures how difficulty delivers destiny in our lives because the Bible tells us she bore him in sorrow. Can I get a witness somewhere? Somebody ought to say tonight I want to give God praise because I serve a God that is able to birth destiny hallelujah out of my difficulty. So difficulty does not disqualify you from destiny. You need to know that difficulty is the very credential of calling if you have become an elect man or an elect woman can I get a witness somewhere somebody ought to say I'm not afraid of difficulty because that is how God is gonna birth destiny in me can I get a witness here today first Peter chapter 1 verse 2 says elect according to to the foreknowledge of God. Hallelujah. This means that every elect lady in the Bible, God uses, and it shows us that he has already predestined purpose out of their predicament. Hallelujah. Now, today, I'm going to share with you from the um, the birthing nativity, the Christian, the Christmas narrative. We are going to look at the Christmas narrative in a way we've never seen it before. We're going to see the Christmas narrative today, and we're going to see why the writer Matthew listed these four ladies in the scriptures to show us that this is actually the introduction to his thesis in teaching us about how our Lord was born. And the very first birthing the blessing principle of power is how destiny is delivered through difficulty. Say this with me, destiny is delivered through difficulty we see in matthew chapter 1 verses 18 and 19 you may not know this but your assignment that god has given you over your life could attract adversity in your life put your hand up right now and say i know i've been called of god if i've been going through some things some adversity that's tried to stop me from possessing my promise hallelujah the scripture is going to show us here that we do have to go through the proving process of destiny in order to see the performance of prophecies in our life. We're going to see here in the infancy narrative when Jesus was born, how Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to walk through her controversy and contention in order to see her prophecy fulfilled and this is a sign for you and me we've got to be willing to go through some things we have to be willing to go through controversy and conflict in order to see god birth the blessing in our own individual lives all right so i want us to look at this and we're going to see first of all we need to look at the fact that there was faith here the bible says blessed is she that believed for there shall be a performance of those things that were told to her by the lord the bible tells us this in luke chapter 1 verse 45 put your hands up right now and say the supernatural secret to birthing the blessing in my life is if i believe I will conceive the word of God that he wants to give to me at this hour. How many of you know that the word is seed that goes inside of you? And if you believe the word, if you believe, you will conceive the impossible in you. happens to you God wants you to begin to conceive the impossible but the impossible cannot become a reality without the word in your life somebody ought to say God I want to read I want to believe because if I believe I shall conceive the impossible in my life touch your neighbor and say it doesn't matter Impossible that word may be, I will believe it. Whatever God tells me, I'm not gonna doubt what God tells me about my future. I'm not gonna look at the obstacles to faith, I'm not gonna look at the impediments to the impossible, but I'm gonna walk by faith and not by sight. And I realize that God doesn't need help from a man to make. supernatural secret is nothing in the natural. Mary said, how can this be? Because I don't know a man. What you need to understand is God doesn't need anybody to help you out for your blessing. I don't know if you understand what I mean. You might be down to the last place in your life having nothing to your name. You might say, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't have I don't have the know how, I don't know the people, I don't have the doors, I don't know how, what you told me is gonna happen, but you've got to understand you don't need anything in the natural for your dream to come to pass. You just need a word. And if you've got a word, you've got a way. Mary didn't have anything but a word. Somebody ought to say, oh, I've got as a word. But if I have a word, I've got a way. Can I get a witness? Um, situation in your body you might be sick you might be weak you might have something wrong in in your physical um, biological condition like Sarah who was barren she couldn't even bear a child I don't care what it is that it is that's coming against you. You may have nothing to work with. You may not have a penny. You may not even have the know-how. You might be in a place that's far away from the place God promised you. You may not know the right people. You may not have the right know-how, but I want you to know that. If God has given you a word and you believe, you shall conceive because God will make a way if you've got a word. That's why the Bible says in Luke 1:45, blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a per." Torments of those things that were told her by the Lord. Touch your neighbor and say, "All I need is faith." To believe what God said I'm not gonna doubt it I'm not gonna look at my circumstances I'm not gonna look at all the controversy and conflict about what God just told me to do it doesn't matter if nobody's on my side it doesn't matter if I have to lose everything in the process I know what my God said and what my God promised Mary put herself on the line for the word that God gave her she was willing to walk through the water of warfare for that word and you and I today need to say God be it done to me according to thy word but even if I have to go through trial and tribulation for the word you've given me I will not let this word go. touch your neighbor and say it doesn't depend on circumstances hallelujah There shall be a performance of those things that were told her by the Lord. Somebody ought to say, I need to have some fellowship with God so that some things can be told to me by the Lord. Because let the Lord speak to you. Once the Lord starts speaking, once the Lord releases that visitation on your life, once the Lord gives you his word, the things that God has promised you shall come to pass. The secret is get into God's presence and let God speak to you. Say this with me. I gotta hear from God. Holy Ghost take the take the the, the, the clogs out of my ears Holy Ghost, I've got to hear from God. I've got to hear what He's saying about my life in 2019. I've just got to get alone with God so that God will speak to me. I just got to be alone with my Master so my Master will speak to me. I just got to hear Him say who I am. I just got to hear Him say what I've been called to do. I just got to hear Him say what 2019 assignment is over my life I've just got to hear it I've just got God to speak to me speak Lord your servant is listening Mary was so determined for destiny that she was willing to pay any price even if it meant losing Joseph I want you to see this in the scripture so that you and I can understand and I'd like it to be up on the screen yes it is, hallelujah the Bible says in verse 18 now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost verse 19 very important Then Joseph, her husband. I want to say that again. Look at the word. Not her promised husband, not her engaged husband. Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Now, obviously, These two texts really need us to bring some explanation to them because they seem to be very contradictory. First of all, I want to explain something that will solve the questions that are raised in our minds to say, how can it be that Joseph was her husband and that she was Um, she was a virgin when she gave birth. If we do not believe that Mary was a virgin, we're not a Christian because she didn't have uh, the, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is absolutely critical and essential that he is conceived by the Holy Spirit, not by man, all right? Because to say that he's conceived by man would mean that we do not believe in his divinity because God caused a miracle to happen with Mary. So, the question is, what is this all about? Well, the first thing we need to know is we have to have some background in our historic information on the first century, first century Judaism. In first century Judaism, there were two stages of marriage. The concept of engagement, and this is where we all get messed up, okay, we look at this and we think they're engaged. All right. In the first century, the concept of engagement did not exist. There was no such thing in first-century Judaism as being engaged to somebody. As a matter of fact, the concept of engagement didn't happen till the 12th century. So, what do we mean? There are two stages of marriage in the first century that in first-century Judaism that Mary and Joseph, obviously being devout Jews, observed. The first stage is called Kedushin. Say it, Kedushin. The word Kedushin is taken from the word Kadosh in Hebrew, which means holy. And holy means separate, okay? So when the first stage of marriage takes place, there is a tremendous amount of cultural understanding that we must have to understand this first stage of Kedushin. Kedushin usually took place not by two people falling in love. That didn't happen. It usually happened when two people arranged a marriage way before it could even be before they even were born. We don't know. It happens still today this way in ultra-Orthodox Israel, all right, where a person is gonna marry somebody, they go to someone and the modern term for this in ultra-Orthodox Israel is a shidduch. A shidduch is when um, a marriage is arranged and they go to a professional matchmaker, and the matchmaker get, gets a resume from both parties, okay, from this person, that person, and they literally match them up according to their spiritual background, all right? So it has to be a family Let's just say you come from a family of uh, rabbis. The father was a rabbi. The grandfather was a rabbi. The great-grandfather was a rabbi. You're not going to put that person with somebody who's not equally coming from the same Torah background. That's the historical thing now, okay? And even today in the ultra-Orthodox world, this is going on every day where the people don't even meet each other originally. They just have this yenta. Um, put these things together and then they meet for the first time and they decide whether they're going to be married or not, okay? Most likely, we don't know because the text doesn't teach us. But we know most likely Mary and Joseph probably maybe did not know each other well before she might have known who he was or it might have been a first time meeting for the very first time on the day they got married. Obviously, it is an arrangement that took place. They would marry under the hopah. And under the hoopah in Kedushin meant she's now going to be married to Joseph. And she's going to be separated to Joseph, for, to Joseph. The separation part of marriage begins, which means I will never be with anyone else. I'm separated unto God for you. I will never be or think about being with anyone else. In that stage of Kedushin, the woman never left her house. She stayed with her father, and it was against Torah law to ever be with any other man other than her brothers and her father for a year. So for a year, she stays in the house, probably goes out to get water or maybe, you know, to do some something around the village, but never to engage in any type of social activity at all for an entire year and to be completely in the stage of kedushin because she's already married, but they have not lived together. They have not come together. That's what kedushin is. All right? So this is the stage that Mary was in when she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Okay? And at that time of kedushin, the groom, when they're under the hoopah and they're going to get married, the groom then signs a marriage contract, which is a ketubah. And he places in the ketubah everything he's going to provide for Mary, and it becomes a contract, or for the wife that he's married. So it'll be like, my name is Joseph Ben Yaakov, and I am going to sign on this contract three goats, two cows, whatever it is, I'm going to sign in this contract a table that I'm going to make for their family. I'm going to sign in this contract two dresses that my mother is going to make, for my future mother-in-law. All of the belongings, all of the of the financial assets would be put in the contract, and the rabbi would sign the document, and Joseph would be contracting to his financial obligation to the woman that he's going to marry. All right? This is what happens. And even if, at this time, a woman at any time is found pregnant... And she's already espoused to the man. And she's not, she's she's been in a year with her in her father's house and has never gone to live in her husband's house yet, because that doesn't happen for a year later in the second stage of marriage. The second stage of marriage is called Nisuin. And Nisuin is when Nisuin comes from the Hebrew word nasa, which means to elevate, to go up. So In the stage of Nisuin, she would leave her house. The bridegroom would come and fetch her at a time she would not know after an hour sometime at midnight and take her over to his house to live for the rest of their lives. And it would be a year after Kedushin has taken place that they would consummate the marriage. That is Hebrew custom in the first century. So we see Mary now in the Kedushan state and the Torah says that if there is a woman who is espoused to a man and if she is found with child, I'd like us to go to Deuteronomy chapter 22 and I want us to look at verses 23 and 24 so we can understand that. Let's get that up on the screen as, as quickly as we can. Deuteronomy chapter 23 and... Um, we're or excuse me, Deuteronomy 22, and we're looking at verses 23 and 24. Deuteronomy 22, verses 23 and 24. Let me just see if I can get it in my scripture, or we've got it up on the screen. All right. All right. Verse 22. Here's what it says. If a man be found lying with a woman, married to a husband... Um, Oh, no, that's not it. Verse 23. If a damsel that is a virgin be betrothed to a husband. That's where Mary was, right? She was a virgin betrothed to her husband, correct? If a damsel that is a virgin betrothed to a husband, and if a man find her in a city and lie with her, then ye shall bring them both out of the gate of the city, and ye shall stone them with stones that they die. The damsel, because she cried not being in the city. And the man, because he has humbled his neighbor's wife. Notice it says if he be betrothed to a husband, then in the next verse she's called the wife why because there is no such thing as engagement there is only these two stages of marriage the one that is for a year of living unto that person but living in the father's house only see allowing to to converse with the only men allowed to converse with is your father or your brothers anyone else it's for a year you cannot do that all right so If she's found with child, then the Bible says, and you will bring them both out, verse 24, and it says... You'll bring them both out unto the gate of the city and you shall stone them with stones that they die. The damsel, because she cried not, being in the city, and the man, because he has humbled his neighbor's wife, so you shall put away this evil from among you. So now we understand Mary's in the Kiddushan state. She is now found with child and and the God has not yet revealed to Joseph that this is a child of the Holy Ghost. All right, so when Joseph finds out that Mary is with child there is all kinds of controversy and conflict but Mary was willing to go through anything for the word that God gave her trusting that God would work it out somebody here ought to say today I'm willing to go through whatever God tells me for the word that he has given me my prophecy means more to me the promise that God has given to me means more to me than anything in this world and even if I have to go through controversy and conflict I'm willing to walk through controversy and conflict so the word of God for destiny that she was willing to pay any price for what God called her to do and if we look at the word of God and we see back here and we go back to Matthew and we look at Matthew's gospel we are going to see now watch this it says then Joseph her husband being a just man not willing to make her a public example what's the public example going out of the city and being stoned So he didn't know yet that the child was of the Holy Ghost. That that hadn't been revealed to him yet. All right? It It was only that he knows that she's with child. All right? Not willing to make her a public example, was minded, watch this, to put her away privily. What does it mean to put away your wife? To put away your wife is used throughout the gospel according to Matthew. And this is a term which means give her a bill of divorce. You're going to give her a bill of divorce and send her away and just divorce her and, and say, I can't be married to you. So Joseph, if we look at this, Joseph was an extraordinary type of a man. All right. He was, the Bible says, Joseph being a just man. The word just here doesn't just mean a good man. If we take the words from Greek and translate them into Hebrew, because the gospel according to Matthew was originally written in Hebrew. We have this evidence from the first century um, early church fathers that tell us the very first gospel, the very first um, scroll of Matthew was written in it was written in Hebrew. However, the one we have access to today is dates back to around the second century, and it's written in Greek. So we don't have access to the original gospel according to Matthew written in Hebrew. But the writing in Hebrew makes a tremendous difference because when you translate a, a words from Greek to Hebrew um, or from Hebrew to Greek, you're going to lose some of the meaning. So here we see the Bible says Joseph being a just man. The real way it should read in the Hebrew language is not being a just man or being a righteous man because a righteous person is someone in first century. When you call in Hebrew, you say this person is a tzaddik. A tzaddik is a righteous person or a just person. Okay, This is a person who never breaks the Torah law. This is a person who lives meticulously by all the commandments of Moses, and all of their life, never breaks the Torah. Okay, that's a tzaddik. Okay, but if you translate it from tzaddik to hasid, which is a little different in its meaning, a hasid is someone who goes beyond the letter of the law. This means they are known not only to keep the law perfectly, but they are known for their exemplary character and their character traits of humility and they interpret the Torah through the lens of the love of God. So we see this is who Joseph was. Okay, Joseph should have and could have taken Mary out to have her stoned. But if you look at the way he handled the situation, he's going to handle this controversy. He's going to handle this conflict when his own, when he's disappointed himself and he doesn't understand how this girl that he's about, that he's already married, that he's about to take into his home, his wife is found with child. He should have brought her out and had her stoned, but the Bible says he doesn't want to make her a public example. He doesn't want her to be stoned. So he's going to take, give her a, a bill of divorce privately. And as soon as he thinks this, as soon as he's ready to give Mary a get, a a bill of divorce the angel of the lord appears unto him and says joseph don't fear to take mary for your wife to take her to your home because she's already his wife watch this let's look at it the bible says verse 20 while he thought on these things the angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying joseph son of david do not fear fear not to take Unto thee marry thy wife, for that which is conceived uh, in her is of the Holy Ghost. In other words, don't be afraid to take her to your home. Don't be afraid to take her because she is, what's conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So the Bible is showing both Mary and Joseph were tested. Both Mary and Joseph were tested by their faith. Mary was tested with the fact, are you willing to lose Joseph over your word? Are you willing to give up your reputation for your word? Are you willing to even give up your life and believe that God could spare your life Even though you could be stoned for this, are you willing to go through this for your prophecy? Can I get a witness somewhere? The Bible is teaching us this because God is showing us how the dream is born in our own life. How we birth the blessing in our own life. Okay, the second supernatural secret that we're going to see here is that is this incredible secret that now we know Mary and Joseph everything seems to be okay. Okay, but they got a problem because now Joseph has to advance it, take Mary to his home, and and now we're going to see that Mary leaves. She's going to leave Nazareth for three months. And she's leaving Nazareth not because she wants to hide, not because she doesn't want anybody to know. She's leaving Nazareth because the moment Jesus comes in you and you have Jesus in you, you want to serve. Okay, so the very first thing that she does is she leaves her comfort zone and she goes to the hill country of Judea. That means she got to walk up some hills and she's going to go 50 miles away from Nazareth and she's going to spend three months with Elizabeth. who is in her sixth month and she's going to serve Elizabeth. Now I want you to know she didn't go up to Elizabeth and say excuse me Elizabeth you didn't know this but I am Mary and this is what happened to me. I happen to be the chosen woman of the hour so I just came here to tell you all the things God's doing for me. I came to tell you that the angel came to me and I was chosen among all these other women. I'm the best of all. No she didn't do that, alright, she came there, she kept silent, she didn't tell anybody what was going on inside of her but I want you to know that if you've got a word inside of you, you don't have to tell anybody, it's just gonna radiate wherever you go I hope somebody understands what I'm talking about, what's inside of you is gonna rub off on other people, they're gonna automatically know that something's happening with you and the Bible tells us that when Elizabeth met her with with Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. I want you to know the stuff inside of you is going to leap when you get around other believers that have been through the same thing you've been through. Touch your neighbor and say, I need to be around baby leaped inside of her. That's obviously a literal thing, but it's also a spiritual thing. Okay. There's nothing worse than being around people that try to kill the baby inside of you. I hope somebody I hope somebody understands. You have to be so careful when you're carrying something that you don't get around people that become jealous of who you are, that you don't get around people that want to destroy what's inside of you, that when you're carrying a word, when you're carrying a word that's about to become flesh, when you're getting ready to bear down and deliver that promise that God has given you, it is so important to be around other people that are able to build you up and that. Understand who you are and where you're going. You don't have to tell anybody anything, but it happens that when the anointing is inside of you, they're going to know exactly who you are. You're not going to have to try to prove who you are. I hope somebody understands what I'm talking about. And Mary didn't have any problems. She didn't have an identity crisis. Okay, she didn't have to go over to Elizabeth and say, Oh, uh, Liz... I just wanted to tell you, cousin, who I am. I've got to prove to you who I am. All right, she didn't do that. She came there and she rolled up her sleeves. And for three months, she says, I'm gonna wash your feet. I'm gonna cook your meals. I'm gonna take care of you because you're about to give birth to one of God's prophets. I'm gonna minister to you. Touch your neighbor and say, The greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. Somebody ought to say, I don't need to prove to somebody who I am. I don't need to say that I'm so great that I can't go out there and do the lowly task. Can I get a witness? The lowlier the task, the greater you are. kingdom because the novice will say oh no I can't do that a novice will always say oh no I can't I can't wash toilets I can't go into the bathroom I can't clean up the dirt I can't I can't do that that's not who I am okay but here we see someone who's been given the greatest position in Israel she's the mother of the messiah and yet she goes out of her way. The moment the word is inside of her, she can't wait to start serving because that's the sign of a prophetic word that's been activated as you start getting into ministry right away. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. You don't have to be up here for everybody to see you. But the, the thing is, is that Elizabeth knew who's, knew exactly what was inside of her without her having to say. She didn't even know that uh, Mary didn't tell her, oh, I'm pregnant With the Messiah. No, Elizabeth, when she met Mary, said, Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She already knew. She felt something in the Holy Ghost. God gave her a word. When you're around prophetic people, they're going to call out who you are. When you're around prophetic people, they're going to call out your destiny. They're going to call you forth and birth you. you to be. Can I get a witness? Put your hands up and say, Lord, we need some Elizabeths in the body of Christ. We need Elizabeth to call out who we are in God. We need an Elizabeth to identify. We need to be with Elizabeth who will say this is who we are and this is what God's called us to do. In the mighty name of Jesus. With me in Jesus' name, I want to give you praise. Now, here we see, dear saints of God, they went through those three months. Joseph got past it. Mary went to Judea. Now Mary's got to come back. And we don't know what happened in between the next six months. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we do know there was a taxation that took place. The taxation of the procurator of Syria, in one place he's called Cyrenius, that the the whole world, Caesar Augustus is calling a taxation for the whole world. That taxation, historically by Josephus, started in about 8 B.C. We know... Jesus was most likely born in 6 BC he could have been born in 4 BC but we know most likely he was born in 6 BC so the taxation began two years before he was born it was compulsory for every person in the Roman Empire under Roman rule that when there is a taxation it's the way they took their census census was taken by taxation So they'd have to go to their place of origin and register. And registering meant, you can't just say, hi, I'm Joseph Ben-Yakob. Okay, no, you'd have to come with a list of all your properties, your title deeds to your properties, and you'd have to pay taxes to Rome on everything that you owned. All right? Also, in that particular period, Herod also called for taxes. He was the king of Judea. And so any persons who lived under his jurisdiction who were Jews had to also pay taxes and this is how Herod the Great was able to remodel the Holy Land because he rebuilt the temple, he remodeled it, he built aqueducts, he built Masada, he built so many places in the Holy Land and he did this through taxing the people. So the poor people were taxed not only by Rome, but they were taxed by Herod the Great. And what would happened when they're taxed by Rome is they'd have to go to their city of birth and enroll in the census. And when their name was called, then they would pay the taxes on everything they owned. All right? So most likely, immediately, what would seem to be natural is that, that Joseph would leave probably when Mary got back from Judea And now, most likely, they've gone through Nisuin, where she's now in his house, and taking her now to Bethlehem. They go through Bethlehem, and when they get to Bethlehem, it's not easy. Seems like everything's free-flowing. Everything's going great. Everything's wonderful until they get to Bethlehem. And when she's great with child, they're going from door to door, and there's no place for her to give birth. And this is also another supernatural secret that God wants us to know in giving birth to the blessing. Because what man rejects is what God elects. And this prophetically parallels no room in the inn. You see, you can be going from place to place and man could be telling you, I'm sorry, we can't, we can't service your gift here. There's no room for your gift in this ministry. Or there's no room for your gift in this generation. But you got to keep knocking on every door until one door opens up. And you cannot be intimidated your dream will be situated because Mary had to bear down and give birth to the Son of God in a stable. Somebody room in the inn is a strategic step to the impossible. And we see here that the Bible says in Luke 2 verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So here we see, hallelujah, that Your dream may be birthed in a Bethlehem of a small little place that you never dreamt. Your dream may be birthed in some place that you are with people that you never thought you'd be with that are going to help birth your dream. That is what the stable represents. It represents a place of great lowliness. And it represents a place, hallelujah, that men may laugh at you and say, who do you think you are giving birth to that? To that dream in that place but god can use every place if you just keep knocking on the door you will give birth to the dream hallelujah say this with me if i keep knocking on the doors and not become intimidated by the doors that shut i'm gonna keep pressing on because i know there's gonna be a place that god's gonna let me bear down and give birth to my dream it will come forth in the name of jesus can i get a witness somewhere and the last thing we want to share with you about birthing the blessing is that your word is going to have to withstand some warfare. Say this with me my word is going to have to withstand some warfare. Now, I want you to understand something. Once that baby was born, it seems like everything broke. And I want you to understand something. Jesus wasn't born in the daytime, Jesus was born in the nighttime. Okay, your dream is not gonna be born in the day. Your dream is gonna be born in the darkest night of your life. I hope somebody hears what I'm talking about. Say this with me, my dream isn't born in the day. My dream is born in the darkest night of my life. Can I get a witness somewhere? On that dark night, hallelujah, all of a sudden everything shifted for Mary and Joseph. The heavens are open. The angels begin singing. The the choirs of angels are in their heavens singing Gloria, glory to God in the highest. The baby is born. The baby comes forth. Joseph is bonding himself with that baby that's not even his. Everybody's amazed at this baby. God begins to bring shepherds to support the baby. God even brings kings and wise men to support the baby. You see, after the dark night, something's about to break. It's worth going through the dark night. Somebody ought to say, In the darkest night of my life is when my dream will be born. In the darkest time of dream I'll hold that dream in my hand I'll be able to say God thank you for letting me give birth to the dream in the midst of this painful place can I get a witness somewhere but just like so many of us after we give birth to the dream we just think everything's going to be wonderful right after that dream is born Okay, and we don't know that the warfare after the dream is born is much stronger than the warfare to try to stop the dream from being born. Okay, so there's warfare to try to stop the dream. And then once the dream comes, there's warfare to try to kill the dream after it's born. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, behold, there was a wonder in heaven, and it was a woman clothed with the son who gave birth to a son that's gonna rule over the nations. And the Bible says that as soon as she gave birth, the dragon was there to try to kill her son. I want you to know that woman represents the church, and that after you get birth to something after you give birth to jesus after you give birth to the dream by jesus i mean the will of god in your life the enemy is gonna come to try to take your dream and kill that dream you have to know how to protect the dream from being taken by the enemy at the of angels are singing and after all the wise men are coming there's a rage in rama what's the rage in rama the rage in rama is herod who's going to try to take the child's life the bible tells us that joseph the angel of the lord appeared in a dream to joseph and said arise and take the child to egypt for uh, for herod is going to seek to try to kill the child you see the enemy is out to kill the dream and you may have to take the dream to a place of protection you may have to build up a hedge around the dream that you just gave birth to what you don't understand is the attack after a dream is born it's stronger than the attack to try to stop the dream from being born there will be a rage in do everything in your power to try to stop the rage in Roma. Can I get a witness somewhere? The Bible says a voice was heard in Rama. Rachel weeping for her children because they were not. Why? Because uh, Herod ordered the slaughter of all the children that lived in Rama under two years old seeking that he might kill the Christ child. Touch your neighbor and say the rage in Rama won't come near me because God's going to put a protection and I'm going to put a protective hedge around the baby. I'm gonna to do what joseph did i'm gonna protect this child i'm gonna protect this dream i'm gonna build a hedge around it i'm not gonna let the enemy take my work prophetic work from something that's just not going to last okay after that dream is born everything's so great so grand oh my gosh the shepherds came the wise men came they brought gold frankincense and myrrh nothing could have been more glorious and out of nowhere Just within days, the child is up on the slaughter list of King Herod. This is why, when you go to the missions, you got to protect the ministry when the ministry comes back from the missions. This is why, when you birth out a conference or you birth out a work, you have to have a staff that's so on tune around you that understands how the realm of the spirit works God's getting ready to position some things in the body of Christ he's getting ready to put key people with you because he's not playing anymore he's not playing this is not the time that God is playing anymore God means business with the church I hope you understand what I'm talking about God means business with people of destiny And those that should be at the time God has ordained them and given them enough word to know how to protect the work of God. There's nothing worse than having uh, someone not protect the work of God, but to try to abort the word of God, the work of God, that you're trusting to protect the work of God. All right? So we have to be steadfast unmovable we have to know that this is what happens after a work is born the enemy's gonna try to kill it but let's stand to our feet today and claim our 2019 destiny right now raise up those hands toward heaven and begin to start praising the Lord and know that the Lord is faithful know that the Lord is gonna perform his word in you come on let's start praying in the Holy Ghost We want to give you praise and we want to give you glory. Lord God. that you can tell us who we are, so that you can tell us where we're going, and give us the faith to believe what you told us will come. A word. And Lord, we're willing to walk through controversy and conflict for that word. We're willing to be. our dream. We're willing to pay any price for our prophecy. Like Mary, Lord, who is willing to even give up Joseph for her prophecy. God, let us be people that will be like Mary that say, I'm not looking. I I would rather do the will of God than even, even at the risk of losing father, mother, sister, brother for the kingdom. Righteous people around me, even the church folk, might pick up some stones to stone me. God, I'm willing to walk through the controversy and conflict, rather for the word of the living God. And Lord, once the word comes in us, I'm willing to be a servant. God, I don't want to be seen a man. I'll go because the sign that I've been anointed is that hairdo. It's gonna come out myself, wash the feet of others, and not expect to be served, but to serve just out of the sake of hessage, to wash somebody's feet, not to get something out of it for my. in the church, we'll go to the outer place, we'll go to the house we'll go to the stable, and we'll give birth to the dream. God, we'll say whatever you call us, we will go. he's born give us enough sensitivity give us the skill to protect the dream to build a hedge of intercessors that are willing to stand in the gap and build up the hedge and lay down their lives to protect the dream but we want to thank you that you love the dream so much Lord you sent those wise men with gold, frankincense, and myrrh because you knew Joseph was going to need that money to go to Egypt with his family. They didn't have any money. How are they going to leave in the middle of the night and flee to Egypt to escape the wrath of Herod? But you provided it. Just like you're going to provide for everybody here who has a dream and who's willing to say yes to that dream. God provide it right now.
0: Thank you for joining us today. It is our prayer that this word broke bondages and will open doors for you. If you have never received Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, invite him now to be your Lord and Savior and best friend. Repeat this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Wash me clean from all my sins. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you soon.